Welcome to Into the Fire. I'm Duncan. And I'm Kate. And we're here to talk about life. The good, the bad, and the ugly. So come join the conversation. Welcome back to Into the Fire. It's good to be with you today. It's really good. And we just wanted to come together and have a conversation about the times that we're in. Yeah. And, you know, it's not an easy time at all. Everything's being shaken. It seems that there's still chaos around the nations. And I think as a global family, you know, leaders of churches and leaders in ministry, we're facing choices in a way that we've never had to face before. Yeah, that's so true. So I'm going to ask you some questions today. Ooh, come on now. Come <laughs> and we're, on now. we're just going to get the juices flowing because mm. I think there are so many things, mixed emotions, trying to understand truth, trying to understand the context of our faith now at the moment, yep. and some of the, the dynamics that are at play. And I think the biggest one is... What does the church look like right now? And what should it look like right now? Yeah, that's, that, that's awesome, Kate. That's a great, a great big broad brush question. And, you know, I think when the pandemic first broke out mm. and we were all across the world, churches were, were not allowed to meet. Yeah. We were all locked down in our houses. And many churches that had the capability went online. Yeah. We took our services online and, you know, of course, at that time, we just thought it was going to be for a month mm -hmm. or maybe two months at the most. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but it would all be over and we could go back to the normal. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And as it progressed, we began to realize, whoa, wait a minute, mm -hmm. you know, wow, is this our new normal? Mm -hmm. And then that began to make us think, oh, well, maybe the church, God is using this because he's after the church to no longer be the way it was and, you know, to have to discover new wineskins and to be turned inside out, to tear down the four walls of the church, something that we knew God was wanting to get us out from behind the four walls of the church. Well, maybe this was it. And mm -hmm. a lot of people at that time uh, were talking about the deconstruction of the church, the way we've known it. And uh, the church being, yeah. you know, the new way is, is, is not to be in meetings. Yeah. Uh, definitely not Sunday morning meetings or Sunday night or the or Friday night or you know yeah. no longer the traditional mm -hmm. big meetings, um, but instead finding new ways of being the church and especially those that have had this real passion for the rediscovery of the ecclesia mm. for what it's really meant to be yeah. um, from the beginning and many teachers coming in with teaching about the ecclesia. Uh, the rediscover of the ecclesia and, and sharing that, you know, ecclesia was a secular term used in Roman times yeah. to describe this body of, of this emissary body of Rome that was gathered together and sent from Rome into a new uh, area of the Roman Empire following behind the army that's conquered mm. that area. And then they're going to establish the rule and the culture and the the, the values of Rome yeah. in that new area. And that was called Ecclesia. And so, you know, in Matthew 16, 18, one of the most famous 
passages of scripture, Jesus says, I will build my church, I will build my ecclesia, he says in Greek, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so a lot of the teachings been coming in saying, God is, has always wanted the church to be in the marketplace. And that's why Jesus used a secular term. And it's to be a, it's to be a society transformational unit of an yeah. emissary of heaven to establish heaven on the earth. And you know what? I believe it is. Mm -hmm. However, I think that that whole teaching of Ecclesia, the danger there is that we miss the reality that the church in the scriptures is not is referred to by Jesus as the Ecclesia. There are other words in the New Testament that are also equally describing, used to describe the church, such as oikos, mm. which Paul says in 1 Timothy 3.15, I'll just read, um, you know, he says, if I delay, Timothy, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. And right there, that word that is, is the household, how you should behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, that word right there, household, is not ecclesia. Mm. That word household right there is oikos. Wow. So what you're saying, actually, then, is that there are two dynamics to the church. Absolutely. There that are they have to be multiple dynamics of the church. And they, they do because, you know, on the one hand, the church is the ecclesia, mm -hmm. heaven's ecclesia. Yeah. But Jesus wasn't using a secular term right there to just get rid of the entire weight of scriptural um, uh, prophetic thrust and, you know, uh, the, the uh, apostolic heavenly blueprints of the purposes of God mm -hmm. throughout the ages, which was always to establish a household, a family mm -hmm. on the earth, mm -hmm. ultimately, you know, not just household, a household, but households yeah. and an entire city. God's always wanted to have family and to dwell with his people that are his family yeah. and that are family together, yeah. not just as Smiths together with Joneses, okay. together with Wilsons, but this, this extraordinary multifaceted family mm -hmm. of diverse human beings that have one nature together that is Jesus nature, his divine nature through his death, resurrection, death, burial and resurrection, that we have his divine nature and yeah. that together in that divine nature, we are in the household of the father who is our family, mm -hmm. who is the father of all the families yeah. of God and where we de derive our name. Yeah, there's definitely like a spiritual dynamic to this that we as the church, and we always say it, you know, that the church is God's primary vehicle to manifest the kingdom. Exactly. But a church where there is a, a reliance on each other and a knowledge that we are the family and the household. Yes. And therefore, when we come together, the world has an opportunity to say, that's what the kingdom looks like. Exactly. That is what God's family looks like. When I see that community. That love. That gathering. That servanthood. Yeah. So what you're saying then is that there has to be a tangible 
gathering and recognition of some some sorts for for a church to exist and for the world to say, okay, that's what the people of God look like, yeah. and therefore, that's who God must be. Yeah. They must reveal who God is to me. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. And so, you know, I think that whole thing is being challenged right now because, you know, many of us have not been able to gather in the same way. And um, across the world, there has been limitations and restrictions as to how many people can gather, even whether we can sing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know, it causes us to question, well, how can we still be the church? Yeah. Yeah. It's a big question. It is. And, and I think it's really important for us to understand, you know, we've had a lot of teaching on the seven mountains, for mm -hmm. example, you know, and I've heard it said by those that teach that teaching that that the church is one of those mountains. And, mm -hmm. you know, you and I fundamentally believe that that is not the case. Religion yeah. and world religions might be one of those mountains, yeah. but the church is absolutely when I say the church, I'm not talking about a catch the fire church here. I'm talking about the, the church that's the body mm -hmm. of Christ. Because not only is it the ecclesia, yeah. not only is it the oikos, but it's also the body of Jesus Christ on the earth. Very living and breathing. Exactly. And it's the army of Jesus on the earth. Mm. So it is, mm. it is so not one of the mountains. Yeah. It is Living a supernatural, exactly, a supernatural dwelling place of God on the earth mm. made up of living stones that are believers filled with the Holy Spirit. When we understand the sacred nature of the church mm. and we understand that the church is not the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace and joy yeah. in the Holy Spirit. But the church, like you just said, is God's greatest passion for revealing his supernatural kingdom. And God wants heaven to invade earth, yeah. but only so that all of earth wants all of heaven. Mm. That's the purpose. And there's there, in his heart, he wants to dwell with his people that are the church. Not that we go to church at a building, but that we are the church. We might have a building to keep us from the elements, but the church itself is the supernatural family of God on the earth. So good. Which, like you said, is where the world can look and say, what does it look like when a people worship God unashamedly? Yeah. What does it look like when a people are receiving the love of God so phenomenally that they love themselves despite their sinful pasts, that they found forgiveness and can love themselves, that they can love not just the, themselves, but that they can love the world, that they can be loved by God, love God, love themselves, mm. love the world around them, and that the love that they have for one another and the willingness to serve each other so deeply profound mm -hmm. and so full of supernatural grace and signs and wonders and miracles that the world looks at it and goes, I've never felt like I belong anywhere. I, mm. I thought I'd find belonging at my car club. I thought I'd find belonging through my work colleagues. I thought I'd find belonging by going to the pub. I thought I'd find belonging at the bar. I thought I'd yeah. find belonging by having multiple sexual relationships. But I thought I'd find belonging by people that are of the same sex as me. But here I find a place and a mm. people where I truly 
truly know I belong, not just to God, but to them as well, to each other. That's amazing. And, you know, that supernatural thing is is actually, I think, in this season, where we need to keep our focus. Completely. That, so true, darling. You know, yeah. Jesus is the head of the body. Yes. He's the head of our church. Yes. He's the leader of our church. Yeah. Even, you know, as leaders, we often feel frail, yeah. weak. You know, what can we do? How can we build this with all these challenges? Yeah. But actually, we're forgetting often yeah. that it's the supernatural power of God. Yeah. That wants to break in, yeah, and and actually that's the main thing. It's the main it, thing. It's keeping the main thing the main thing. And that's why we cannot give up meeting together. Right. Right. We can't just you know drink. We, we let me. I was going to say something, but that perhaps is not the right way of saying it. I was mm. going to say drink the Kool Aid, but we can't just take one dimension of teaching regarding mm. the church. Yeah. And say, okay. The ecclesia is a secular word, and it means to break into new ground and establish heaven on the earth. Yes, it does mean that, but we cannot mean that we therefore say, okay, so that means we throw away the household aspect, Mm. the meeting together, or the early church who met from house to house, oikos to oikos, is in Acts chapter 2, they also met in the temple courts. So they met in the small yeah. oikoses as yeah. households, but then to be the big oikos, they came together. They came together in the temple courts, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And because you cannot, it is highly unlikely that you'll find the full breadth of the fivefold ministry in one small family church. Sure. But you put families together, yes, small oikoses together mm-hmm. with the big oikos, mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden, you've got a five-fold paradigm yeah. possibility. Yeah. And that's why we, we must keep meeting together, just like they did in the early church. Not taking the mentality that, oh yeah, I'm going to be the church, me and my friend at work, that's the ecclesia, we don't need church. Mm. But we're going to say, but on the other hand, we can't just be the oikos, me and my little family, right? Because we won't be the ecclesia. Yeah. But we also can't just be the big oikos and think that's what family looks like. You know, Christmas, Thanksgiving, when the big family are all together. No, it's these are the ones that I live with, intimate connection. These are the ones that I gather with wider family, greater expression of the family and more fun, frankly, more financial power, more and from church perspective, more excitement of worship because you're going to have some amazing musicians that are going to be oh, yeah. in that there's, big. There's definitely a corporate dynamic that come happens on. when we come together. Yeah. And, you know, what you were saying about the fivefold ministry gifts being represented is, you know, their primary function is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Right. And if you're just getting together and it's a pastoral kind of meeting little oikos you're missing the dynamic of the the prophetic and the apostolic 
and the challenge to reach the last. Yeah, the evangelism. And, and even sound teaching. And even sound teaching, exactly. And sound teaching is really important right so now. So good, so There's good. so many different waves of doctrine, yeah. opinion of man, yeah. misinformation. What yeah. do we believe? Who do we believe? Yeah. And it feels like even our own governments are not necessarily getting it right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, oh, that's a whole nother. It's a whole nother discussion. But, you know, an important discussion to have, isn't it? It is, because each of us are faced with different levels of um, government restriction based on where we live. Yeah, well, let, let me just speak into that before we move on, Dom. Is I'm so thankful for all the other oikos, mm -hmm. ecclesia churches within North Carolina, for example, mm. because. With, for us, living here in the United, State, United States of America, it is one of our inalienable rights as a citizen of this awesome nation to have religious freedoms yes. and the right to express our religion. And the, the, the right and the freedom to gather. Exactly. For religious expression. Exactly. And so I'm so thrilled that our colleagues around North Carolina, mm -hmm. and we didn't realize because we weren't, you know, I guess maybe because we're non-denominational, uh, we didn't find we didn't out know. till after mm -hmm. the fact. But I'm so grateful for our colleagues that as pastors and leaders, ministers, mm -hmm. got together and actually took the state of North Carolina to court, the governor yeah. to court, yeah. to demand that the temporary lockdown for the sake of overcoming the pandemic was lifted for churches after a, a short period of time that was legitimate i think everybody was like okay yeah. according to romans 12 uh let's let's uh, let's sorry romans 13 you know first few verses let's comply with the government however when we realized that it was yeah. going to go on longer and that it would actually uh uh, go against our inalienable rights. Thank God for the pastors who stood up mm -hmm. and actually won in the state of North Carolina Supreme Court oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. and overturned and the, the governor's mandate that locked us out of our churches. And we were able to meet and we've been meeting freely since June last year. Yeah. Thank God for yeah, that. Yeah, that's amazing. And, yeah. you know, I know not everybody has had the privilege of that. Yeah. And I think as well, the concern you know, as as being the emotional and the spiritual needs of people. And sometimes a reluctant for governments to recognize that pastors and leaders were offering an essential service. A hundred percent. And that Absolutely. spiritual care, emotional care oh, yeah. was so important because for many the church is is literally like their family. They yeah. might not have other family around them. Right. And, you know, those that have of had church meetings and relationships as a way of maintaining their mental health and Correct. Their, their emotional yep. health. Yep. And for that to be withdrawn Absolutely. left a huge gap that we as pastors Extremely dangerous. Yep. felt like we were disempowered to do anything about Correct. It. And I'm so grateful that we were able to address those things mm -hmm. that we, you know, because God created us as humans for community. Yeah. God himself is community, it's communion. Right. 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he created us in his image and he's created us for mm-hmm. community. He did not create us to be isolated That's and right. to be locked down. Yeah. And honey, I'm just, so, you, you know, you're, you're, mm. you're addressing there something that's just, I think history is going to look back yeah. and recognizing that, that governments were dealing with a pandemic but those that governments that were overly heavy-handed with lockdowns and so on and so forth mm. um, ended up with other very serious casualties casualties mm-hmm. of through depression, yeah. mental illness, yeah. suicides, and so on and so forth. Well, and also people that didn't access other medical treatments exactly. that they needed because of fear. Yeah. And I think that's the whole thing that's been hard as leaders. How do we combat the fear yeah. that people are feeling as individuals, um, companies and corporations, organizations? Yeah. Everybody seems to be afraid, afraid. Yeah. And we know that the kingdom is a kingdom of love. Yeah. And so I know in my role as a leader that I've really wanted to really preach about the love. Yeah. Not focus on fear. Yeah. Absolutely. Love working through faith. And faith pleases God. And, you know, let's take the vaccines, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, our personal opinion, you and I, is that taking, receiving or taking the vaccine should be a personal choice. Absolutely. Now, you and I are vaccinated because we understand the call of God on our lives. Mm-hmm to go from nation to nation. And we know, we we have a a long history of having to have certain vaccination cards. Especially you being raised in Africa. Exactly, in order to cross borders Mm -hmm. and they're mandatory. For example, yellow fever. And then the other one that they recommend is that you take typhoid. Right, exactly. you don't want to get ill from the water, you know. Correct. Vaccines have serve a purpose have served a purpose mm-hmm. in, you know in history yeah. and we're used to nations saying you cannot come into our nation unless you've got a vaccination card for such and such a virus yeah okay such as yellow fever so for you and i we understand and we're okay to be vaccinated for covid19 so that under the current climate we can travel across borders, which yeah. is necessary for us to do our jobs and fulfill our calling mm-hmm. and present those vaccination cards in order to cross borders. Yeah. I get that. Mm-hmm. That's common. That, that is common through history and that is common in the world right now for other viruses. Yeah. Okay. And you and I, when we face that decision, you and I have realized that to be unvaccinated required faith, mm-hmm. faith that we were not going to fulfill the will of God on our lives by going to the nations, yeah. faith that we might potentially catch COVID and die. Yeah. But it also we also realized that it required faith to be vaccinated because yeah. how long has this vaccine been trialed and you know, how long is it going to last? And are they going to want you to have another one? We're so aware of all the conspiracies about the viruses and so on and so forth. It required faith, you and I, to take the vaccine. Mm. Now, we chose to take it for our circumstances. We understand governments for border control and so on. 
What we are absolutely against, you and I, is the idea of governments bringing in yeah. a vaccine passport into the nation for its citizens within its own borders yeah. to tell to to, to um, uh, mandate and impinge on the freedoms yeah. of their citizens yeah. concerning whether they go to the supermarkets, whether they go to, to public, gathering. public gatherings, whether they go to, um, uh, uh, well, in some nations, whether they even can go to church. Well, in some nations, a church is a public gathering and therefore in that category. I understand that, Kate. And and, and that's, that's why where it gets very the difficult. whole idea of a mm -hmm. virus, sorry, a vaccine passport exactly. is anathema to mm -hmm. any nation that is a nation of freedoms, that celebrates its freedoms. And and I believe under biblical um, freedoms. And so I think the, the uh, to me, mm -hmm. the notion of a nation saying, pastors, you must, you must mandate, yeah. allow uh, the vaccine passport to be the determining factor on whether a, a citizen can enter your church building yeah. or not. Okay, yeah. that is so fundamentally wrong. Yeah. It shows how wrong it is to say they can't go to a soccer match or they can't go to a supermarket or they can't go to their place of work because it is an infringement mm -hmm. on the fundamental rights of a human being that is one step too far for government. Definitely and is. Can I just say this, that I'm so grateful, having just come back from the UK, yeah. which had a, a fantastically successful vaccine mm -hmm. program with a huge percentage of its uh, citizens vaccinated. I'm so glad that I just read in the BBC earlier this week that the UK government have decided not to have a vaccine passport. Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful for that. Yeah, because I think at the end of the day, having to be the implementer of this mandate as a, a pastor and a leader of the church. Yeah. Like, when have we ever, as leaders, stood at the door and said, well, you can't come in because of this reason, and you're not going to come to our church because of this reason. I mean, Jesus said, come all who are hungry and thirsty. Well, well you done, know? Don. Yes. And he was all about bringing everybody to himself yeah, absolutely. to hear the truth. And, you know, that is such an anathema yeah. that we as leaders would actually have to enforce that role. Yeah, I think... It just speaks... You're right, Dal. It, and I think for you and I, that would be a line in the sand that we would not cross over. I think so. And, and I think for us, and we're just speaking you and mm -hmm. I out of deep conviction. Yeah, and we're hoping that our, what we feel will but, 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 help but, others. But, sure, but I just want to say this, that for us, for mm -hmm. me... That would be a line in the sand that I would yeah. not cross over. Yeah. And for all the reasons we've mentioned, mm. and I think about how a line in the sand like that in the face of governments yeah. comes at a price very often. And I think about Daniel. Is there a biblical precedent for a line in the sand that says, I will not cross over that? Yeah. 
even though it's a government and I'm honoring the government, I will not cross that line because I honor God above. And I think about Daniel and how the king, you know, egged on by people that were jealous of Daniel, brought in a edict, you know, you will not, nobody can pray except to worship the king. And what did Daniel do? He opened the curtains. He went deliberately into the window where everybody could see. Yeah. And he knelt down and he prayed as he, as he always did yeah. three times a day yeah. in defiance to the government edict. Yeah. Deliberately showing that he was defying it because he fundamentally believed that that government edict was wrong for humankind. Yeah. Not just wrong for Daniel, but wrong for humankind. Yes. And I think that for us, for you and I, mm. A government mandate that its citizens are required a passport vaccine and that those people cannot go here or go there or go the the other place within the borders and especially including places of worship and especially church, that you can't come to church if you're not vaccinated and that the pastors will go to prison or go to jail if they allow you in. That is a line. In the sand that we will not allow ourselves to promote and we would not cross that line. No, absolutely. And I think it really comes down to what is this worth? What is our faith worth? Are we willing to pay the price? What's our freedoms worth? And what are our freedoms? Because if we're being challenged, you know, how much are we going to do what Daniel did and, and step into a place where we are willing to protest? Yeah. And to stand up and actually lead the way as leaders. And exactly. And it's interesting it's that so Daniel 11.32, Daniel says, those who know their God mm. shall stand up and take action. Yeah. It's true. And if I think of Pastor Che, our friend over in California, yeah. he stood up against the California governor yeah. um, on the basis that his father emigrated from North Korea Uh from a regime that was so strict that he wanted to give his family a better start in the US. And so Che is saying, hang on a minute. You know, this infringement requires that I'm going to stand up, not just for my own freedom, but for the sake of others. The nation. Sake of the nation. The sake of the church body at large. And... I think, you know, we have to and be that, at peace. We with do. That and and you know what? Che faced immense persecution over totally that. Totally did. They, they, they harassed him. They threatened him with a $1,000 fine per day yeah. for the church and $1,000 per individual that attended the church yep. during the lockdown. And and I love it. Mm. We just love it that, our, that Pastor Che heroically yep. allowed... It took this all the way, not just to the Californian Supreme Court, mm. but all the way to the Supreme Court of the United States yeah. of America and won the case. Come on. And and actually did a great favor for the body of Christ. Absolutely. In the U.S. Absolutely. And I think that's the thing. We can protest peacefully. Yes. We can keep our hearts free from judgment. Yeah. We can continue to love and pray for our governments. Yeah. 
you know, and take action. Yes, you there know, comes a time where it's necessary to take action. Yeah, that we mobilize our congregation. Yeah. Don't let these laws just pass before you. Right. Encourage them to write to their um, parliamentary candidates, their yes. local candidates, yes. senators, governors, mayors. Yeah, and, Wh- whatever. And say who you are. Whatever powerful political figures that are appropriate to your nation. Yeah. It is important that you stand up and take action when the line in the sand, so to speak, I'm using that term figuratively speaking, mm. but where there's a, a governmental edict that is an overreach beyond what is reasonable mm. for all governments to take. Here in the United States of America, they understood that and they have not mandated yeah. a passport, a vaccine passport for COVID-19 because of that. Understand that wherever you are in the world. Understand that United States government has decided that it is an overreach to impose on its citizens a mandated vaccine passport. And and that and, and I believe that's because people have stood up. Mm. And and I would encourage you, yeah. wherever you are in your nation, lawfully take action. Stand up when your government and be a collective, Mm. you know, mobilize the body of Christ in your nation. I'm talking about in the free nations here where that's possible. I'm not addressing nations that the entire church are being persecuted, you know, where in in nations where you're not allowed to have church at all. I'm not talking about those kinds of Mm. nations. I'm talking about in nations. such as Europe, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, North America, um, United States of America, and and uh, many other South American nations, many nations of the free world, when governments step over, yeah, and your constitution has not been written in somehow as ours has in the United States to allow the government not to take away those inalienable freedoms mm-hmm. and rights. I think there needs to come a place of peaceful, democratic taking of action and maybe even taking the risk like Che did mm. of even imprisonment for the sake of the nation. Now, mm. I want to say this carefully. What would I do if America wasn't safeguarding its citizens from this kind of government overreach? Mm. What would Kate and I do if... Our government said, you are not allowed to allow anyone into your church building for any public services unless their passport, they have a passport vaccine. Uh, Sorry, a vaccine passport. What would we do, Kate? Well, the truth is, probably knowing Kate and I, we would remain open to anybody even if it meant that we would have to go to prison. And we would go to prison for the sake of love and for the sake of freedom and for the sake of our nation and pay that price, that ultimate price. We may also, uh, you know, and maybe that's not something you'd be prepared to do, but an alternative that we could do is we could say, okay, well, we're going to shut our public building completely And we're going to say to the church, folks, let's go for it for this season while the pandemic lasts in the oikoses, Mm. in the smaller meetings. 
where those passport vaccines are not mandated and we would meet in that scenario. For us, whilst that would provide a solution to maintain meetings, we feel we would have missed an opportunity to make sure that our governments do not overreach to the extent that it's being overreached, that, that, to, to the extent that those kinds of freedoms are being removed by having insisting on passport yeah. vaccines. So we'd probably make yeah. a stand. Well, I, I, I think at the end of the day, we pray it doesn't get to this. We do. But there would be enough men and women of conviction that they would be prepared to do it. And then maybe the governments would see the ludicrousy of the whole But part thing. of the reason we're raising it is because we've heard from some of our friends that their governments are threatening this mm -hmm. in the so-called free world. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's why we felt compelled to have this discussion, yeah. to be open and frank. And we want to emphasize, this is Kate and I's personal convictions. We're not asking anyone to do what we're doing unless the Holy Spirit gives you the same conviction. Absolutely. Daniel 11, 32. Those who know their God shall yeah. do great exploits, yeah. shall stand up and take action. Yeah, and that's that's the time we're in. Yes, that it we is. We make our life count, we make our vote count, and we step into the vacuum that is there, really, for the church to rise up and become who she's called to be in these times. And we know that God's with us. He's building his church through us. It feels uncomfortable, but we're kind of just writing it out. And, um, yeah, and, so... You know, I've got a verse just to end on, Kate. Please, encourage everyone. In, in Revelation 12, 11, the Apostle John in the book of Revelation is being shown, you know, the end times. And he's writing in the context of Satan rising up in a a in a world a whole world deception through evil rulership ruling trying to rule over and conquer the saints and it said that's the context and in verse 11 it says this and they that's the saints have conquered him that satan by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and very often that's where we, we stop. But it says this, for they love not their lives even unto death. Mm. So yeah. three ways we conquer in a time of radical persecution for our faith. The blood of the lamb, the word of our testimony, and the greatest sacrifice of all, loving not our lives even unto death wow well thanks everyone for joining Thank you, us we love you thank you for your honesty dunk thank and you darling yeah. you too let jesus build his may church. jesus build his church and the gates of hell not prevail against it amen, amen.